Let's, um, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And to give honor to the holy word of God, because it is God's holy and infallible word, let's stand as we, uh, we read together, uh, starting at verse 1 of Luke 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. For in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of, pre, of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for I have, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so, that, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have sent, been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias, and went and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Let's pray together.
Oh, blessed Lord, we ask for your work of the Holy Spirit to be in our minds and our hearts as we receive this, your holy word. Help us to receive it and to believe and to witness the work that you have done in the lives of both Elizabeth and in Mary. We pray, O Father, that you would help us to rejoice in these things, for we ask it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. If you want to use a gospel track, um, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you might be concerned that you're you're going to give a track away that, you know, there's little folded pamphlets that have gospel passages and a little gospel witness. It might be a little bit too much for some to read, or, well, is it, is it too long or is it not too long? Well, here we have this gospel of Luke, and we have the purpose statement in the beginning of this, uh, this gospel account. And you might say, well, this is somewhat of a gospel witness, a discipleship effort given to a man named Theophilus. Well, instead of writing a, a little tract of some sort of, or even a letter, we have this entire gospel of Luke given for the sake of this man, Theophilus. But we know that by the Holy Spirit that God intended this letter, not just for Theophilus, but for the entire church. Um, there's a couple of places. One of them is sermonaudio.com, the one that hosts our sermons but also Westminster Theological Seminary, their idea sometimes of giving a gospel track is to give an entire little gospel. They, they'll put an entire book, a gospel of John, in a little bitty booklet and encourage you to hand that to people. That's kind of in the same line of thinking as uh, Luke writing this. You know, uh, Instead of giving them a little pamphlet, encourage them to read the entire gospel. So if you want to look at that after the church, you can, after the church service, you can. Um, Part of the gospel witness that Luke gave here was to tell not only of what Jesus did in his lifetime, but especially to set down the foundation of the holy, miraculous um, birth of John the Baptist and the miraculous birth of the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I was looking at a book, and believe it or not, um, well, a couple of articles as well, um, the Mormons, both early and late, don't believe in the virgin birth. Many of them don't believe in the virgin birth. They have some really strange views on how uh, Mary uh, came with child. Uh, Dr. Uh, Robin Myers, uh, he's a minister in the United Church of Christ, he teaches, well, he's a retired minister now, but he teaches progressive Christianity at, at Oklahoma State University. Uh, he wrote this book, and it's entitled Saving Jesus from the Church. Listen how blasphemous. How to Stop Worshiping Christ and Start Following Jesus. And he wrote in this book, A beautiful but obviously contrived tale is the virgin birth, which may have been written to cover up a scandal. It may have been used to cover up a, scan, a scandal. How blasphemous. What heresy. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 6, section 3, tells us that the guilt of our first parents was imputed and the same death in sin and corrupt nature conveyed to all their posterity, descending from them by ordinary generation. There are rich 
theological reasons why we believe in the virgin birth. Jesus Christ, if born by ordinary generation, would have borne the same guilt and the same sin nature. But because he was not born by ordinary generation, but by generation of the Holy Spirit conceived in the womb of the womb of Virgin Mary, we know that this is an essential doctrine. So as we look at today's text, God calls you to rejoice in two miraculous pregnancies. We read of the first, we'll soon read of the second. And we'll look at this in, in three main um, points. We'll look at the child filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we'll look at the child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, we'll look at the glorious meeting of the unborn. Let's look at this uh, first main point, the child filled with the Holy Spirit. The text says that the priest Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years, according to verse 7. When when it says they're advanced in years, I can't imagine this not being at least, them being at least in their 60s or 70s. Um, But we don't know for sure. Um, But some might ask, well, when God gives you a great trial, when it's in God's sovereign plan that you want to have children and you can't have children, all your life you can't have a child, why, Lord? You might ask questions, why? And some might say, well, is it because of sin on the part of the husband, or is it because of sin on the part of the wife, or is it because of sin of them, their own, the, both of their sin? Uh, of course, Job's counselors would say, absolutely, that's the case, right? Job's counselors. But we find that's not the case here with uh, Zacharias and his wife. And verse 6 tells us that they were considered righteous in the sight of God. So sometimes things like this happen to even those who are considered righteous in God's sight. Zacharias was a faithful man. He he was attending to his priestly duties. We we see there in verse 9 and following, it says, According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and burn incense. And then the whole multitude of the people were in prayer, waiting outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and standing to the right of the altar of incense, Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. Fear is very often a common response to seeing an angel in the Bible. And remember when the guards were set to, to attend to the tomb of Jesus? When the angel appeared, they trembled. They were terrified at the sight of the angel there. And here, uh, the angel here uh, understands that um, he's afraid, and he notices Zacharias was fearful, and he, he said something to relieve them and also to tell the purpose of his coming. Verses 13 and following. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Now, pause for a second. Do you think he was praying for this the week before this happened? Maybe he kind of gave up praying for this, but he had prayed for this, and maybe he prayed for this in their 30s and 40s or something, and God never, he probably prayed for this in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, maybe even prayed for it in their 50s, but probably maybe as they got advanced in age, he stopped praying. But God still heard his prayer, and God answered this way, verse 14 and following, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, at the birth of uh, your son, um, 
I'm sorry. uh, First of all, he says, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, a lot of what's foretold about John the Baptist here doesn't come to pass for many years. But there is one thing that's foretold here in this text that happens within a few months. It's one key matter about John that we read in verse 16. It says, He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And we'll see that a little bit later in the text. Um, obviously, I, again, I, I believe that she was above 65 years of age. Women don't have babies above the age of 65. Um, I think the Guinness Book of World, World Records might have a, f- a couple people there above the si- age 65, but it's very, very rare. So even though he was a man who believed God, I, I think that he had a hard time believing this particular report. And that's what we have here, uh, his words to the angel in verse 19, where it says, uh, How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. He didn't see it possible. Well, um, the angel then says something, and we don't know why this happened. Some might say, well, this was a discipline for his unbelief. But I believe what happens next is something for rejoicing uh, and for exalting God and giving greater praise to God in the end. Verses 19 through 22, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which were fulfilled in their proper time. Now the people were wondering, they're waiting outside. And then when he came out, he's unable to speak. And they assumed it was because he had seen a vision or there was a vision of some sort, but no one knew the answer. But let's, let's just fast forward just a little bit to see what happens later in uh, verses toward verse uh, 57. It says, Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, They came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But his mother answered and said, No, indeed, he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what they wanted to call him. And he asked for a a tablet and wrote as follows, His name is John. And they were astonished. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he began to speak and praise God. Fear came on all those living around them and all these things were being talked about in the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind. What then will this child turn out to be? 
for the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. The hand of the Lord was certainly with John and John's parents as well. And to put it another way, how will God use this child? How will God use this child? As as miraculous as this is, as blessed, wonderful as this is, it doesn't compare to what comes next. Look at the child conceived by the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 and following. For now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. What an amazing revelation about the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe Mary was honored for her great faith, and we'll see a little bit of of her faith later, but what is told about this child is of unparalleled greatness. It mentions that he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, not just for his lifetime, but forever. How is that possible? And his kingdom will have no end. I think this gives a glimpse of the divine nature of the child. Mary didn't realize it, but her blessed son that was soon to be conceived in her body would be the fulfillment of what Daniel talked about, of that stone that was cut out without hands, that would smash that great statue which represents the the kingdoms of this world, and that it would grow into a mountain that fills the whole earth. As it says here, as the angel Gabriel said, his kingdom will have no end. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Daniel 2.44 What is even more amazing is what the angel says next. Verses 34 through 35. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. As the virgin conception was necessary for him to be born of not ordinary generation, but a supernatural generation, The power of the Holy Spirit as the power of of the Almighty overshadowed her is what caused the conception of Jesus Christ. Those like Dr. Robin Myers who reject it are outright heretics. Again, the baby that was going to be in her womb would be called the Son of God. When Jesus grew up and he was in the temple at the age 12... 
he said, I need to be about my father's business. He knew that his father was, was God. Throughout his earthly ministry, his active ministry, he always spoke to God as his father. In prayers, he referred to God as his father. Gabriel closed his message by telling Mary that this miracle, a, a miracle of sorts, had also been accomplished in Elizabeth as well. In verses 36 and following, he says, Behold, even your relative Elizabeth also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. Um, because of her great faith and submission, she says in verse 38, Mary does, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. What then happens next is a, a meeting, a glorious meeting of the unborn. These two women, both having conceived children supernaturally, meet together. And this is what happens. Mary he, it believes the report of the angel regarding Elizabeth. She's no doubt excited. So she wants to go in, in a hurry, it says, to go see Elizabeth. It mentions in verse 39 and 40, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of, of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And as we're told earlier, Elizabeth's uh, unborn son would be filled with the Holy Spirit in his womb. And it, what happens in verse 41, it says that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth then was filled with the Holy Spirit. So John, being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, became evident in him showing that spirit-filled joy at the meeting of Jesus Christ. John, filled with the Holy Spirit, his mother also filled with the Holy Spirit, gave an utterance unto God regarding uh, what she had been given from God in verses 42 and 45. She cried, out, she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. The Holy Spirit revealed to Elizabeth that the child that was born in the womb of the, that was conceived in the, in the womb of the Virgin Mary was divine. It, Mary bore the mother, she was the mother of her Lord. Now, if you are likewise filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit working in your life, dwelling in you, you, like John and like Elizabeth, should respond with great joy, shouldn't you? Now, how do you know whether the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Um, some in our community might say it, you have to have this evidence by speaking in tongues. But 1 Corinthians 12 says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to convict 
the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. If you believe that you're a sinner and you believe in the righteousness of God through Christ and you believe that what the Word says, especially concerning Jesus Christ and salvation in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And again, the joy of what God has done through Christ is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that child being filled with the Holy Spirit then was the forerunner of the one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And in the meeting of these two unborn children, we have a glorious praise unto God and a glorious rejoicing. And in a like fashion, God calls you to rejoice in what he has done through Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we... We thank you for the, the miracle-working power that you have wrought in the life of Elizabeth and that power of, in, of conceiving our blessed Lord Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary as well. We thank you that we could be witnesses of the wonderful truth of the meeting of these two unborn children. And help us, we pray, like John and like Elizabeth, to respond with great rejoicing over what you have done for us. Forgive us for sometimes so often being um, lacking in that great fruit of the Holy Spirit. Give us great joy and that you would make our joy evident. Hear our prayer for we ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. A preview for next week, we'll be looking at the Song of Zechariah. Let's turn to 294, the Song of Zechariah, as we stand and sing together, 294.